Hey everybody, welcome to the Mayfair Theatre Podcast. This is Josh. We're going to be talking about September 15th through 21st, 2017. And today is just me and my friend Sam. Hey guys. We're doing it from my house, so I always put the warning of you might hear a cat or a dog or a car go by, but that's my favorite part about the modern podcast. We were just chatting about it where it's not in a perfect radio booth and stuff will happen and it's kind of laid back, but... It makes it more organic, right? Yeah, for sure. absolutely. So I wanted to have Sam on because we have another round of the Rocky Horror coming up this Saturday. Absolutely. Which is the last one before... The big month. (laughs) Hitting the trenches of... (laughs) Of Midnight Madness. Yeah. So I guess this Saturday is our... I guess you'd call it dress rehearsal. Yeah, for I, was, I was just going to say, is this like, even though it's a you know a month in advance, is this? Like- it's, we take it as our our dress rehearsal. We want to have all our costumes and props ready to go this month. To know they're working well for the big run next month. Do you got some new cast members or who's your? We latest? do. We yeah. have a brand new Brad Majors. Uh, his name is Andrew Kelly. He is a local thespian, which yeah. works quite well. He was. Uh, the assistant stage manager in Ten Little Sinners that went up at the Fringe oh, Festival. Oh, cool, yeah. A lot of fun. And the rest of the gang are, yeah, the same old. Mark was going to be here today with Mark us. Mark was going to be here today as well. But he stood us up. He stood <laughs> us up. God now darn Now we can it. talk about him without him being here. Even better. But I also wanted to have you on because recently you went to not only your first Comic-Con, but one of the biggest Comic-Cons in North America that Tim Curry was at. Absolutely, and it was mind-blowing. So paint me the word picture of you walking into the convention for the first time. Into the convention itself. I wasn't expecting it to be that popular a thing. The lineups were absolutely crazy. Yes. But a lot of really cool costumes, a lot of really cool uh, fandoms that I was not aware of whatsoever. But I guess meeting Tim Curry was absolutely mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. He is in much better shape than I was expecting him to be in, actually. So as we know, he's had a stroke in the past couple of years, so he's now unfortunately confined to a wheelchair. But he was sharp as a tack. That's Could great. Speak rather well. Because yeah. I felt so bad because having seen photos of him recently yeah. and having known him my whole life from whether it be Rocky Horror or It or whatever, to see him in the chair... I just felt like, oh my god, I hope he's okay, you know? Yes, and he's for sure okay. Like, I saw a few pictures of him in the chair uh, before going to see him, and he he looked kind of rough in the pictures, but he's, I guess, doing much better. I mean, his his speech is super clear, especially for someone who's had a stroke. That's not always the case. His his sense of humor is right on. He's amazing. It was, I, I won't lie, it was kind of sad to see him have to do these conventions and all that jazz. But, yes. Because they must be exhausting for him to go from place to place. Because he had also done one in the United States right before doing the Canadian one. But, I mean, they had, like, what? I think it was a max of 50 tickets to meet him okay, in person. Yeah. And, I mean, it sold out really fast. So it's really good to see that he, there's a lot of people that are still very much in love with Tim Curry and that are willing to go... And yeah. say hi to him and thank him for everything he's done. I mean, he's contributed so much to the theater, to cinema, to pop culture, to music. I mean, he's a yeah. legend in his own right. And did you get to... I, I know, like, you don't get an hour to sit down with him or anything, 
But did you get a couple of minutes of saying, I do this with Rocky Horror? And Yes, I absolutely did. So basically, myself, along with two of my other, two other of my cast members, went in to meet him. And we, of course, told him what we do for the Mayfair and Rocky Horror and all that jazz, which he seemed very delighted to hear that it's still, I guess, happening. Of course, I had to thank him for absolutely all the other movies he's done as well, because I'm sure he hears about Rocky continuously. Yeah. But, I mean, so so much of his... All of his work is genius. He's a brilliant actor that really isn't afraid of really getting down and dirty with a character and showing the more... Like, the underside of humanity. He's kind of a I, I always cool think villain. with the opportunity, if I had, like, one autograph with somebody like that, mm. I would just bring, like, Muppet Treasure Island or something. Of course. You know, to and say, actually, like... <laughs> Uh, when asked what his favorite movies were himself, like personally, he said Muppet Treasure Island oh, yeah. and Clue. He absolutely adored playing both of those. Yeah, which I guess makes sense. I mean, they're both so theatrical. Yes, and he comes from a very like intense theatrical background, right? He's so much fun, so much fun. Obviously, um, in great spirits. And his autograph looks pretty darn good too, because we got a few autographs as well. And I was expecting, you know kind of a awkward scribble because right. he, he his left hand is tied down to his wheelchair and so yeah. it's like oh my god but it looks stunning i mean and you he, were saying just before we started recording the podcast you were saying he's he's narrating a yes so he is going to be a guest in this documentary on the story of pennywise and of stephen king's it Especially, naturally, with his involvement in the 1990s uh, miniseries, yeah. uh, Stephen King's It, uh, he's never really publicly spoken of his involvement in this story or his yeah. portrayal of Pennywise. So this is definitely going to be a lot of fun, and especially what with the new It movie that just I wonder, was released. It's so hard to talk about It because you keep on saying It, you know? Yes. So it's, it's like, <laughs> but I wonder if he has seen It the new It yet. I'd be curious to see what he thought. It would be interesting. I know he set out a few comments on the trailers for the new It movie, yeah. and he seemed to have found them interesting. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to... We always joke, because we always talk about stuff that's not at the Mayfair, and then we mm. go, oh, we got to publicize the Mayfair. But I've seen It, because the only time I go to the multiplexes is when I get a free pass. Of course. I went to the free preview night, and it was... I wish we could have it for this Halloween, but I hope we can get it sometime in the future. Oh, I, absolutely. But I loved it because I love Stephen King, and I love stories, like a lot of Stephen King stories, like Stand By Me. Of course. And this was, it felt so much like Stand By Me, despite being bumped up to the 80s from its original... 50s. 50s, yeah. Yes. But it is very similar to Stand By Me. I yeah. mean, reading it, it feels like the kids from Stand By Me as yeah. well. But yeah, no, definitely a great Stephen King year. And it's funny now because for me, so the, the new It is about a bunch of nerdy 13-year-olds being bullied in 1989 and their bedrooms you can see like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. I was a 13-year-old nerd in 1989 <laughs> who was bullied. So it's like, it was really my wheelhouse. Like, Excellent. Like the music that was playing and kind of the wardrobe and the bikes they had. And, and just, he, they really did well. Because it's always a fine line of creepiness if you're telling a story of like young love kind of, you mm. know. But they did that 
13 year old boys and looking at a girl thing and that so well and it hits close to home doesn't it yeah absolutely and i it's a timeless story i mean they could have placed it in any time period yeah and like though it it resonates with people because i mean it's a coming of age story the bullying and all that jazz it it happens you know and we're unfortunately have to face our fears and yeah all that so yeah it it definitely worked yeah it's really really good so uh, coming back to tim curry yeah back to tim curry but you you can't talk about tim curry without i mean we grew up on the tv miniseries of course it's like arguably tim curry for most people is rocky horror and it Probably. Oh, that's well to yeah. to me, you know, that's for sure. And you kind of forget about Clue and Muppets and everything and else. Legend and Hunt yeah. for Red October, even like Home Alone. Like he is like his his resume <laughs> yes. is so deep. It is, but he he I guess really got into certain characters a lot more, or I guess those characters really just traumatized or yeah. fascinated um, generations. Yeah. But along with meeting Tim Curry at Fan Expo, I also got. The pleasure to meet a few other of the original Rocky Horror yeah. uh, cast members, which was also just as thrilling as meeting Tim Curry. I mean, uh, Meatloaf was a lot of fun. He's seen a few better days, I'm sure. Well, Meatloaf is <laughs> funny. You can't help but know because in the past couple years, he was all like Trump supporter and everything. Oh, yes, absolutely. And so that's so weird because he's like young rock and roll roots you're like how did that happen but it's but a seeing the photos of him like he he seemed to be you like to give people the benefit of the doubt at least and he seemed to be very nice to the fans and having a good time and like, oh yeah he's he for sure seemed to be having a great time um he also obviously has a tremendous amount of fans i mean there was a lineup to be in meatloaf's lineup at fan expo which was well that that's the craziest <laughs> thing about so what you would call a comic con back in the good old days, mm. was, you know, in a small convention center. Like, if you're local to Ottawa, it would have been at the Cattle Castle or Lansdowne Park before it got its big renovations. It would be, like, a one-day event. There would be maybe, like, a local football player and a couple of artists and a lot of people selling comics and more of a garage sale yeah. feel to it almost. So cut to today... And it's tens of thousands of people, giant lineups, a lot of money being made. A tremendous amount of money being made and spent. Like, I mean, it was kind of surreal to realize the amount of people that are going to this and the amount of, I guess, celebrities and artists and so many people from, I guess, pop culture royalty showing up to these uh, events and engaging with their audiences, really. It was very interesting it was very fascinating and i mean i unfortunately all the rocky horror people were all in one room i think like the main entrance yeah and i didn't realize that there were two or three other buildings oh yeah filled with these people with more exhibits and so on and so forth but it's absolutely mind-blowing well and it's become a thing now and not just at san diego but in in toronto and in Atlanta's a big convention, New York's mm. a big convention, but I think Toronto's like the third biggest. I, I believe it's San Diego, New York, then Toronto. And it's become a place where studios, TV, film, books, comics have to go. Whereas before it was kind of like, oh, it's a fun day for the fans. Mm. But now, if you're the new, have a new film coming out, and it's funny because you would think it has to be genre related, but sometimes other stuff sneaks in. But it's it's a place where you can go and have 
essentially a press conference and give out some swag and get your name in a website and shake hands with some fans. And if you're like a little independent film, you'll just have a table and be giving out swag and stuff. Mm. But if you're a bigger film, you go and have Bruce Campbell or Robert England do a big panel in front of a couple thousand people. Absolutely. And it's just advertising. Because there's not really... You know, TV, well, a, newspapers, radio, as there once was. Absolutely. Well, it's a great, it's a, it's an interesting medium and a very interactive platform for advertising of new movies or comic books or what have you. And it's really fun that people, like both production crew and artists, can really interact with their fans and audiences and answer yes. questions about it and uh, really talk to them and engage with them. It's a very dynamic platform for advertising. Yeah, and at its best. So a few years ago at Fan Expo, and this wasn't that long ago, it was like five years ago or so, and the place was half the size. Like they hadn't expanded yet, because now it's, it's they're just like, this is autograph area, and then they have a little bit of sports stuff, and then here's the game stuff, and here's the video game stuff, and here's the comic book. So it's just everything. But I went, and on the Friday, you had to get in line to get a ticket to get in line to meet Clyde Barker. And he was autographing maybe like 300 people and my friends went off to do other things and I, that was my Friday night I stood in line <laughs> and if it was 300 tickets I had 295 or something oh my god the problem was instead of just autographing shaking hands thank you Clive Barker was the most lovely 50 year old gay British guy you've ever met so every single fan he was shaking hands telling stories taking pictures drawing a sketch for that's amazing so he was talking over like 15 minutes so the line just just was, was slow not yeah so nine o'clock came around and they tried to say sorry we're leaving clive barker said no i'm gonna stay there's only 20 people left and they tried to get him to leave and he's like no and so those fans myself included are now completely endeared to clive barker and so that's like kind of the best of the convention story that that's I love. Amazing. And he autographed my book and he drew a little sketch. That's fantastic. And I'll remember that forever now. Well, you know, like as, well, you know what? That's uh, that's very touching. And I mean, these actors and artists are only sitting at these conventions because of their fans, right? Yeah. And it's kind of a funny story that happened while we. So the the cast and I who uh, went to Fan Expo had a group picture with, my God, Meatloaf, Barry Boswick, Little Nell, and Patricia Quinn. So, of course, the Rocky people. And they were bringing in these groups of people for this group picture, and the photographer was trying to get people in and yes. out as fast as possible. And Little Nell, who plays Columbia in the, the movie and the original stage show, turns around to the photographer and gives them shit about don't rush these people they paid to be here they are our fans they're here to to like talk and get to know us for you know yeah. two minutes or what have right. you and the photographer kind of just shut <laughs> up and <laughs> let it happen yeah but it was really good to see that they acknowledge that these fans adore them and idolize them and want to be able to oh yeah s- share a few words with them and it does make them that much more um, human, I guess. And, and and you'll see some people where... And it's weird. It's just become part of their job now, almost. It's like, yep, yeah, we're doing rehearsals, we're recording a TV show or a movie, we're doing press, and then I'm going to go do 
convention season. Mm. Like, it's become part of the routine. Absolutely. And so you'll have somebody working on... And some of them are, like, really big. Like, the Marvel guys went and did, I think, Atlanta. So you got this guy who's starring in, you know, Avengers and Captain America movies doing the autograph line. You can't imagine that happening back in the day with, like, Clint Eastwood or John Wayne or something. No, you know? <laughs> like, but, I mean, that, I guess it was... I guess it's an evolution of the whole... Um autograph thing because yeah. those classic actors they would you would send in a picture they would sign it and it would come back with like a little letter or something yeah they wouldn't charge for them no though. no like that's man i so i love charlie brown yeah and it's my favorite comic strip and there's stories of back in the 70s people would just write in and say like oh mr schultz my kids and i love your work thank you so much big fan and charles schultz would send a thank you letter back and send them an original comic strip. That's insane. Because back in the day... It had no commercial value. No commercial value. He was drawing 365 strips a year on paper. It wasn't digital. So it just piled up. There was no such thing as pop culture museums or eBay or comic conventions. So every time somebody sent him a letter he would send out a A comic strip. Of course. And now these comic strips are worth thousands of dollars and are hanging in legit art galleries and museums. But that was just the day. People didn't think that anything... People didn't think pop culture had worth. It had, of course, sentimental worth. I mean, it didn't have any commercial value, really. But, I mean, that's, I guess, the beauty of it as well. I mean, it meant so much to those people to write in and get it. So, I mean... Good on him for doing that. That's yeah. amazing. And like so now with these Rocky Horror guys where it's so funny cuz like this movie over 40 years ago, there were a bunch of young actors yep. who did this low budget movie mm-hmm. and never in their wildest dreams could they have imagined that 40 years later it would still be playing. They'd have lineups. Superstars. Absolutely. They would never imagine cuz you just look at people forget but there's, you know, for every Rocky Horror there's thousands of movies I saw a movie recently about old silent films Mm. and it was a heartbreaking number but it was something like 75% of silent films are gone are just gone forever forever and ever yeah so even though silent films were way before the 70s Mm. there's still plenty of films from like the 30s to the 70s that were never on and a lot of them are just kind of fun B trash but were never on VHS, never really hit TV no. rotation, and hence aren't on Blu-ray, aren't available for exist, Maker period. Theater. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say B-movie trash, yes. but I mean, like, That's at the time... Stuff. Well, yeah. of course <laughs> it is. But I mean, at the time, look at, like, Nosferatu. Oh, yeah. It was not liked. As a matter of fact, the estate of Bram Stoker closed it, and it was lost for a tremendous amount of time. And... Like Joan of Arc, which I believe uh, the Mayfair played a couple years yeah. ago with Antoine Artaud, this movie was also considered to be lost for a tremendous amount of time until it was found in like an asylum in Switzerland or something of the sort. But they're masterpieces of cinema. What would our history of cinema be without Lon Chaney or Nosferatu or the Cabinet oh, yeah. of Dr. Caligari? They're and nowadays treasures. people care about like things are saved and restored of course and people care about animation and mm-hmm. and there's these crazy stories of Mark Hamill tells a story that he, when he was a kid in California a friend's dad was an animator at Disney so probably like in the 50s or, and they said they used to do a thing 
at rap parties for these Disney animators where they would take the animation cells because they that couldn't be recycled and they'd put them down a hallway and they would essentially run and slide on the animation cells. That's amazing. But this was like, you know, Jungle Book or 101 Dalmatians. Oh my god. So that's what, or they would take the cells that weren't that could be recycled, take a sponge in water, take off the, the drawing drawings and reuse them because they're oh. like, "Oh, that saved us a tenth of a cent." Well, I guess that's It made sense, right? But now or like even like stuff like Rocky Horror, like I bet you it's hard to find props from Rocky Horror. Oh, they're under lock and key. They're it's because a bunch of it probably just got recycled or thrown yes. out. And I mean, even Rocky Horror predates the whole um, commercial value of movie memorabilia and props. I mean, I believe it was in the seventies that MGM had this huge auction selling off. So not that Rocky Horror is MGM, but selling off all the props for like The Wizard of Oz or all the yeah. Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movies, and they were going for nothing. I think like yeah. a I had heard like that the ruby red slippers sold for like ten bucks or something of the sort, which yeah. today would I mean they're at the Smithsonian today it's for so Christ funny things. or like there's stories of movie studio garage sales yeah and they would get to a point where the warehouse was full mm -hmm. and they're like we got to make room because we're making a new war picture so we got to put all the fake guns and helmets in there and they would same thing they would sell all this stuff where today it would just be priceless it would be absolutely and it would it'll all be stuff like that like oh we, we have enough of this kind of thing we have enough of that kind of thing and they would just get rid of it it's it's amazing now and it's kind of for better for worse because like i'm a big comic book geek and comic books aren't worth anything anymore. It, the only people who read them read them because they like them. Mm -hmm. Because comic books, like when my mom was a kid, it was that story of you go off to college and your mom would throw out all your comic books. Because it was just like recycling a newspaper. Like yeah. there was no thought to it. No. Nowadays, everybody keeps their stuff in mint condition. So nobody, like who are you going to sell your stuff to? If every, every Star Wars nerd goes in and buys the toy, doesn't open it, puts it on the shelf... Yeah. You're not, there, there's like... Yeah, but I mean, fundamentally, in my own opinion, should I say, these things are meant to be enjoyed. They're oh, meant yes. to be enjoyed. These comic books are meant to be, you know, open yeah, and Yeah, that's why I open up everything. Absolutely, yeah. as you should, because that's what attracts you to it. That's what makes you fall in love with it, is the stories, is the art, it's everything. I mean, it's, yeah. um, if its commercial value may it be priceless or not, it's all very cyclical as well. Huh? I mean, what's yeah. popular today won't be tomorrow, and so on and so forth. Well, I've always joked, like, imagine if for some reason someone at Lucasfilm gave me a Stormtrooper outfit. I'd wear that Stormtrooper outfit. Oh, of course. <laughs> As like, you should. Or if, or if, like, you got inherited, like, the... Tim Curry's underwear? I would, Done. I'll, yeah. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It would give you powers. It would give you, like... It would give me... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to really know what it would give me, but... So what, yeah. what did, what did the, other, the other gang... I mean, you, you saw them kind of... A gang meeting a gang. So it was a gang meeting a gang at first. We got to tell them all that we love them tremendously and that we do, of course, Rocky Horn, that we've been doing it for seven years, which I guess in their experience, seven years is just a drop in the bucket. But nonetheless, they were very happy to see these new kids taking on such an old story. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, we, I, um, being the diehard fan I am, went up to every one of them at their booths and spent my day, basically. Yeah waiting to see them and got to talk to every one of them individually a little, which was, I can't even explain what that felt like to be able to meet these people and shake yeah. their hands and like hug them. And it was absolutely 
mind-blowing. And they're also... I was expecting them to kind of be... Maybe not bitter, but not necessarily as cheery. Because, I mean, they've seen their loads of fans for over 40 years now. But they were so amazing to their fans. They were so lovely with them. They were so endearing and welcoming and so grateful to have these people show up. And what was really kind of great is, I guess, within the spectrum of the people at Fan Expo, the Rocky Horror cast are kind of, I guess... Let's yeah. dare to say it has beens <laughs> right. compared to a lot of these other people. So their lineups weren't too too long, so they could afford to, I guess, chat it up with their fans a lot more than, let's say, the guy from The Walking Dead or what have yeah. you. So I was very very grateful for that. I mean, Barry Boswick, who um, plays Brad, was amazing. He was selling, of course, his tidy whities uh-huh. autograph, which was amazing, and so having so much fun with it. I mean, at at some point, Miklo ripped a pair of his tidy whities out of his hand with his teeth, which was a great thing to see. And I've been very lucky because you know, there's the old like, "Don't meet your heroes." Mm. I've been, and I think it's it, you know, people say when you get rich and famous, if you were a jerk before, you're going to get worse. You're you're going to be thrown coffee in the production assistant's face. You're going to mm. be late for work. You're going to be mean to your coworkers. But like, you know, Tom Hanks has no controversy because he was a nice guy who worked really hard and became Tom Hanks. Mm. I've met, like, some comic hero, like, real heroes. And now, like, if you would say to little 14-year-old me that I would have a dinosaur tattoo on my arm that one of the Ninja Turtle artists designed for me. After, like, it was, like, after we had a little communication back and forth, thanks to letter columns and stuff like that. Mm. And basically, the old-school Turtles was being sold out and the kind of mature run was coming to an end. Nickelodeon was buying it and they were going to make it Saturday morning cartoon again and so they didn't want the the grown up one anymore it had a great run it went for like 20 plus years but I just wrote a nice little sappy letter saying you know great run guys I'm going to miss it I hope to read other work you have coming up and then Jim Lawson wrote me back and then I wrote him back and he said I said something about going through some tough times I said I was going to get some tattoos I said I got a dog and tattoos and he said Dogs and tattoos get us through some very rough times indeed. And then he kind of hinted at, he goes, what what were you wanting for your next tattoo? And I said, oh, I thought it was like a dinosaur thing. And he said, I have some spare time in my hands. Can I take a crack at it? And it was like my favorite artist telling me that. That's So I've had, I've never, you know, you you hear horror stories of, I don't know, like someone meeting their Frank Sinatra and them just getting like the brush off back back in the day, (laughs) you know. But every nerd, every professional nerd I've met has been great. The five seconds I met Bruce Campbell was great because I happened to have my name tag on. And I said, it's an honor to meet you, sir. And he said, it's an honor to meet you, Josh. And it was I was like a kid meeting the Beatles. Like, I was, I was, I was lucky I didn't faint, you know? That's crazy. Uh, I got to meet Guillermo del Toro. And, and just like, I've never had a bad meeting. And I don't, and I think we're in this world now where these professional nerds and filmmakers they've been us or they've worked really hard and I think too they're they're not pompous enough to realize that like with one bad audition everything could have gone the other way well of course and I think also society has changed especially in the the world of fandom it's a necessary part of their jobs now to be welcoming to their fans because I mean it's very hard to get to the I mean professionally as an actor or an artist it's very hard to get to those levels of fame and you can get knocked down just as fast you know so might as well appreciate the people that have put you up there 
and it's actually really funny that you say if you if you started off as a a pompous uh, actor yeah. you would stay that way. I found it for Patricia Quinn who plays Magenta in Rocky Horror and whose lips are the iconic oh, yes, lips. Yes, was there and. I've seen countless interviews of her and have read a tremendous about her life and so on and so forth. And she started off as a very pompous British yeah. actress who would turn down plays and stuff because they weren't up to her standing. And as a matter of fact, in the original stage production of Rocky Horror, she accepted the role of Magenta only because she could sing the opening song, Science Fiction. In the movie... When they offered her the part, they told her she wouldn't get to sing science fiction, but it would only play the maid, Magenta, which I think has like six lines in it in the entire, it's mostly a silent role. And she told them to F right off because the only part she wanted was the song. In the end, she of course took the role, thank God, and her lips of course became the most famous yeah. mouth in cinematic history. But just to say that like such a, pompous young actress turns out to be such a lovely and nice and just wonderful human being. I love it. Like, I love how it kind of changed it. It made her go from super pompous to humbled and open to to all of this. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, and you even see it in some of like, the biggest celebrities. Like, Harrison Ford, for in recent years, kind of distanced himself from adventure and action films and did other things, did mm. kind of drama and tried it comedy a bit. And he was really kind of like, never in a million years do you think he'd come back to Star Wars. And it was very interesting when he came back to Star Wars as an older man, mm. it really changed. And, and he did an appearance at Comic-Con and when he walked out, you could see like this multi-millionaire Oscar-nominated icon of cinema mm. was really touched by these... 5,000 nerds giving him a standing ovation. Of course. And I think and, and I think it happens frequently with people where they think, oh, it's just my job and I'm kind of older now. And, it's a, and then they realize, oh, I'm good at it and people like me. And he's really softened up to kind of pop culture the past couple of years. Well, I, it's funny you bring this up because someone was telling me very recently about Harrison Ford and his doing these conventions yeah apparently he wasn't aware that it was a thing right. until a, a couple of years ago and once he realized that it is an actual thing that people do yeah he just totally got on board with it which yeah. i find very funny that like such an old school actor yeah. finding these new um mediums for his yeah. his domain and you know what? Like, good for him, though, because, like, he deserves oh, his sure. standing on ovations. And and... Lee was lucky enough to go down. They call it Star Wars Celebration, and I believe it's every two years, mm. and it's, it's, a, it's just Star Wars. And this was down in Florida, and Lee went with the family, and they did a big kind of surprise Carrie Fisher tribute. Mm. And I watched the clip on YouTube, and it's just overwhelming because it's... Kathleen Kennedy, the producer of Star Wars, George Lucas was there, Mark Hamill did a thing, and then the curtains draw, and John Williams is there with a full orchestra playing a tribute to Carrie Fisher. Oh my god. When the curtains drew, it was so funny because everyone starts freaking out and clapping, and lovely old John Williams just turned and did a little shush, <laughs> and everybody was quiet. Amazing. And he played like Leia's theme and everything, but I think people are 
seeing how important all this stuff is. It is. And before, it was the dirty little secret. People wouldn't read comic books on the bus. People mm. wouldn't People wouldn't say, I'm, I'm watching this type of film or I'm going to this horror film. Ever since the nerds took over the world, people are able to wear a Pennywise shirt and to have a Ninja Turtle tattoo of course. and to say they're going to a certain movie or band. You just think of the people who were the first fans like 40 years ago for Star Wars and Rocky Horror mm. and how different it was. Well, you know, everything's better out of the closet, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Absolutely. And it's... We're not here for very long. Might as well express what we yeah. love and do in all these things. And yes. Love it. Absolutely love it. And on that note, we're running long, of course, because we could chat for... We could do a two-hour podcast. Easily. So I will just quickly mention... The films we have this week, September 15th through 21st, 2017, you can go check the website to get more in-depth detail and watch the trailers, but we have Lost in Paris, Viceroy's House, the Ottawa premiere of The Villainous, which is an amazing-looking South Korean action film, Stray Cat Rock, Sex Hunter, which I can't Ooh. wait to see that on the marquee, <laughs> which is part of the Stray Cat Rock Film Festival, which is early 70s Japanese biker girl movies. They're pretty amazing. Saturday Morning Cartoons is this Saturday the 16th. Three hours of retro cartoons. And then, of course, Rocky Horror Picture Show with Sam emceeing at 11.30 on Saturday the 16th. Get your garter belts ready, guys. Yes, and then either then or very soon we will have our advanced tickets for sale for October. Absolutely, and get them while they're hot because they... Do you go? Yeah. Often on Halloween, we have to turn people away at the well, door. Well, it sells out every we sell year. Out. Absolutely. And it's it's the thing. I love it. I, I love any time we have a blockbuster and on Halloween night when you have... It was either last year or the year before, and who knows what's going to happen now with global warming, but <laughs> it was cold. Oh, yes. And we had a blockbuster, so like around the block, down Sunnyside, 300 mm-hmm. people, because we have no lobby. We can't nope. be nice and let people in even. And there was lovely young men and women in their underwear. And I felt, you know, very parentally. And I was just like, you guys can wear a coat before coming in. And there was people out there in, like, stockings. You know, (laughs) know, like, minus 10. Rocky Horror fans are way too hot to be cold, Josh. Absolutely. That'll be, yeah, I worked last, I'll work something this year, but I, I, I believe last year I worked Halloween and then cleaned the theater till... Dawn. Well, thank God you don't have more blockbusters that involve toilet paper and toast, right? Yeah, if, <laughs> if the Helen Mirren movies and uh, the Shakespeare movies, where everyone was throwing throwing, <laughs> throwing stuff oh around. God. Yeah, so maybe we'll wrap it up for this week. We'll have you back again soon, Sam. It's always good to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you to you, to Lee, and to the Mayfair Theater for sending us out to Fan Expo. Oh, yes, of course. Thank you. You couldn't, I mean, it. sometimes a once-in-a-lifetime things happen, and you don't want to be morbid, but it's like, who knows when you're going to get another chance to meet some of these people. Absolutely. Once in a lifetime, man. And, yeah, so, hopefully, man, I wish it was closer than we could get them to come here. Oh, uh, oh that'd be so good. Uh, but um, One day, maybe. Maybe one day one of them one of them will come to the Ottawa Comic Con, and that'll be a bit closer. Have to be patient. Yes. Go check out. We have a brand new website. Forgive us if there's a couple of things we're touching up on it, but you can check that out. We're on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Do go visit our friends at House of Targ. Throughout September, they're having free afternoon arcade free play, which is awesome, and then nighttime free play on Sundays. And always have new bands and cool arcade games there to check out. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon at the Mayfair. Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back! For murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Why are you screaming? Because I'm frightened! What? Screaming! Or the militant Colonel Mustard? If I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? I said F. F. Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. What's well, a matter of life after death? Now that he's dead, I have a life. Ah. Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Huh. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? No. 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 Paramount Pictures invites you to an evening of mystery. Murder. This is getting quite serious. And madness. <laughs> In the movie that makes a scene of the crime. So Clue. It's not just a game anymore.